She wants to hang stockings over the fireplace on Christmas Eve with her kids, like she grew up doing. And his kids, well, they grew up building gingerbread houses every Christmas Eve. What's a blended family to do? Here's Family Life Blended's Ron Deal. Sometimes you just have to let go of that tradition and morph it, change it, switch it up. Find what will work. Make a new tradition to match your new family and the circumstances that you're in and have a spirit of gladness about it. That's what makes it Christmas. We're going to talk about Christmas, blended families, traditions, and how to make it all work with blended family guru, Ron Deal, on this edition of Family Life This Week. Welcome to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. Welcome to the week before Christmas, and your life is just a bustle of activity. So let's take a look at your to-do list. The Christmas cantata? Check. Grocery shopping for Christmas brunch? Check. You sent out those Christmas cards this year, right? Oh, okay. That will be the Happy New Year's cards. Check. Christmas shopping? Check. Wrapping? Uh, Well, that always happens Christmas Eve. A plan for your blended family. Oh, wait. That's why Ron Deal's joining me today. Because he's the expert on blended families. He gives leadership to smart step families and Family Life Blended. Ron, I've just got to start things off and ask you, what are the unique pressures that are facing blended families at Christmas time? Well, first of all, let's just acknowledge, you know, everybody, no matter what kind of family you have, uh, you're feeling the stress and the tension of putting it all together and being where you're supposed to be or trying to get to where you want to be and be with family and cook the meals and you just buy all the gifts. There's not enough time for anything at Christmas time. So there's pressure there, right? Now add to that COVID. (laughs) Yeah. The one word we've all come to hate, you know, and the uncertainty that goes with it, the ambiguity of it. Okay, we're going to show up at mom's house and there's going to be 80 people there and will they all be in masks? Should I wear a mask? Do I have to, can I say hello? Can I hug my favorite, you know, person that I haven't seen? And and that's just difficult. And now you translate that for a blended family. It's I'm sending my kids to this house and there's 80 people there. What will they be exposed to? Mm. And how do I prepare them? And that's out of my hands. And so how do I communicate with the other home? I hope <laughs> that they are COVID safe. And that adds a heaviness, not only a complexity, but a heaviness mm-hmm. to it. Because just as you're unpacking that, I'm like... Oh, yeah. And we've all heard the news reports, you know, funerals and weddings and family get togethers that becomes a super spreader. And so that kind of anxiety can just really kick in. And I know that's difficult. You add on top of that, one of the things we recommend uh, in our ministry here at Family Life to blended families is that they plan, 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 plan way out in advance of holidays. But then we always quickly come back and say, and be flexible. (laughs) because that wonderful plan and all the, you talked with three households, including grandparents and Mm -hmm. the other bio parent and two step parents on, you know, whatever. And you, you got it all worked out perfectly. 
and then it snows somewhere and somebody can't get to where they're supposed to be or and there's tears and there's a hiccup somewhere in the yeah. schedule and the dominoes fall and it's just not going to work and so you got to flex you got to find a way through we did a family life blended podcast episode number 21 step families in the holidays is one mm-hmm. of our most popular because we interviewed a bunch of parents and we just let them talk about all of the things that they were stressed about. One of the things they shared was when you as parent, step-parent, you know, whoever's in charge of your home, when you work really hard to be happy and show some contentment mm-hmm. about what's happening, it may not have been what you planned, but when you get okay with it, it really helps children get okay with it. But if you're completely miserable and griping and grumbling and gritting your teeth around what the other home is doing and nah, 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 guess what? It's stressful for your kids. They don't want to go. All of a sudden, they just want to retreat. They don't want to make anybody mad, and they're miserable too. Everybody's miserable. Mm-hmm. So there's something about finding contentment with the stuff you can't control that is going to help this right. Christmas be about the Savior and not about your inconvenience. Which Christmas should be about joy and contentment anyway, because it should be the happiest time of the year, Mm. and yet it tends to be the hardest time of the year for so many. Yep. Shannon Simmons on that podcast, they've taught their kids from day one that Christmas is not about you. And I just thought, oh... That's so good. <laughs> well, we'll have a link on our website at familylifethisweek.com. That's familylifethisweek.com. So, Ron, let's get practical here. Let's say that there is somebody who hasn't had that COVID talk mm. and wow. they're going into, you know, releasing their kids for maybe Christmas Eve or maybe Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. What needs to happen? What's the communication that needs to happen? Okay, so it's very tempting for co-parents to talk to one another through their children. Mm. Don't do it. It's so easy to just say, you got a 16-year-old, hey, tell your dad when you get to his house, da-da-da-da-da. Not a good idea, right? Even if you've done it for years and you think, oh, he's okay with it. He's not okay with it. He carries all of the emotional weight of that message Mm. and all of the backlog of baggage Mm -hmm. between you and your former spouse. Your child carries all of that with him in that message. We are talking about heaviness earlier. That's like high stress for a child. Right. No matter the age. That's right. So be a parent, make the phone call, have the conversation adult to adult with the other home. And, you know, start with an invitation. Hey, I'd like for us to just spend a little time talking through our expectations for how we can manage the kids and do so in a safe way. You know, again, the pandemic is in the background. And so that's often uh, one of the pieces to this whole conversation. An invitation is not a commanding, listen, when the kids show up, you're going to, you know, that's a controlling Mm -hmm. message. And by the way, my guess is that didn't work when you were married. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly is not going to work now. So start with an invitation. I've got an idea. Do you mind if I share that? I'd love to hear yours. You know, be collaborative in that. And I know it always sounds easier than it really is. Somebody's listening right now and they're saying, oh, man, I can't tell you how many times I've tried and it just doesn't seem to work. And I, and I do get it. Um, it takes two to have a decent conversation. 
Okay. You know that there's going to be one parent who says, my child has to wear a mask going into your parent's home. Mm -hmm. And the other parent goes, absolutely not. I don't Mm -hmm. wear a mask. I have no qualms. I have no issues. Because then you've got this child who is feeling like, well, mom makes me wear a mask. Dad mm-hmm, doesn't. Mm-hmm. What and is they're that? Stuck, yeah. Right. Okay, so let's talk Coach around us that. through that. Yes, um, and clearly, if there was a black and white, it would be easy, and we could be done with this. But it's never that easy. I did write an article this past year. We ended up calling it "Better Safe Than Sorry: Co-Parenting in the Age of Social Distancing," and it's all about mm. it, it. Still applies because we're still in the pandemic. So here's some principles I think uh, people need to think about. When the children are with you, you're in charge. When they're with the other home, they are in charge. If you have some concerns about the other home and how they handle the pandemic, then you need to talk adult, adult to the other home. At the end of the day, you got to respect their boundaries and they are in charge. Of course, if we were sitting here talking about some extreme circumstance of abuse or whatever, you would do something about that. You would contact authorities and you would get somebody else involved. Right. Now, let me just say another principle. Don't make a unilateral decision because the courts have been clear through the pandemic. Visitation, uh, stipulations, divorce decrees are still in effect. Mm. There are some people right now who haven't seen their kids in three months because they made a decision a while back for safety of the children to leave them in the other home. And I totally respect that. Totally respect that. As far as the courts are concerned, if you together make a decision, I think they'll honor it. But on paper, they still expect a back and a forth. They still expect that if it's dad's house at Christmas this year on these dates, that that's still what's going to happen. So if you make a unilateral decision, meaning you don't even bother to tell the other home, I'm keeping the kids, you're not getting them, you may really face some blowback when this pandemic is over from a legal standpoint. You need to be Mm. careful. So it's a dialogue. It's conversation. Don't just go off and do what you want to do. Um, By the way, another little tip from a legal standpoint, if one home is getting more time with the children because you've agreed that that's the safe way to handle things, it's totally understandable when the pandemic is over that the other home is going to be able to make up that time. So if they've been three months in one home, someday the other home may get their three months back. Mm -hmm. How that gets worked out, I mean, there's so many questions the courts haven't had an opportunity to figure out. I'm just telling people there is a legal implication for this. Uh, So don't go off on your own volition. Have a conversation and try to reach some decisions together. I'm just curious, are there some other tips that you have concerning Mm. what's going on legally during this? Again, the pandemic changes a lot of things. So... If you and the other household decide to make a temporary change in what the visitation decree actually says should happen because of the pandemic, just document that. Document, document, document. I mean, that's what attorneys will tell you. And here's another one. Let me just connect a couple of dots for us here. I mean, the holidays, like we said, are stressful. I think for blended families, one of the things that can happen is that stress and Because there's so much sentimentality to the holidays, you want it to be so special and you want to share that with your children. It also brings up some of the old pain of the past, in particular as it relates to a former spouse. You hurt me bad back then. 
you know, um, I can't forget that. So now you want me to be nice and give you the kids for an extra couple of days? Like sometimes pain gets in the way Mm -hmm. of being negotiable and kind and decent. We've even run into some people who are taking advantage of the pandemic to try to make other changes in their relationship with their former spouse. I don't think this is the time. Great advice, Ron. A little heavy. So I'm thinking we need to take a break so that we can take a breath a little bit, think about this, and we'll be back in two minutes and talk more about blended families and Christmas. The reality of living in a blended or step family can be tough. I believed at 27 because I was divorced that I was no longer qualified to do anything in God's name. That's why there's the Family Life Blended podcast. My husband will say, you know, there are some good parts about being a stepmom. I'm like, I know there are. It's a blessing, but it's also very hard. The Family Life Blended podcast is part of the Family Life Podcast Network, and it's hosted by Ron Deal, an expert on blended families. We're always working on our marriages because God is always using our marriage to work on us. The Family Life Blended podcast brings together real, honest conversations about the complexities facing blended families. We have to learn how to put on love in the midst of chaos. Parent-teacher conferences and sporting events and holidays. It was just messy. We call that around here complexity. You can find the Family Life Blended podcast with Ron Deal wherever you get your podcasts or go to familylife.com slash podcasts. Holiday pictures should have everyone in the frame, right? But sometimes they don't. For Family Life Blended, here's Ron Deal. For lots of families, someone is missing from the family portrait this Christmas. Whether by death or by divorce, the joy of the season is dampened by sadness. For many stepfamilies, someone is at the other home instead of at the dinner table or tension between family members reminds them that they aren't quite the family they want to be. Be reminded this Christmas that God has come to his people, that the mercy of Christ helps us love in spite of tension, and that nothing is impossible with God. Humble beginnings and impractical circumstances are not beyond him. They weren't then, and they aren't now. For Family Life Blended, I'm Ron Deal. To find out more, visit familylifeblended.com. Welcome back to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. Today in the studio is Ron Deal. We are talking about blended families and Christmas. And Ron, let's say that I'm coming alongside of a friend who just got remarried. Mm-hmm. And she has kids. He has kids. As a friend, or maybe this is a family member, mm-hmm. how do I come alongside of them for this first blended Christmas? Yeah, share this podcast with them You know that we <laughs> talked about. We've got an article, 13 Steps to Manage Holiday Step Stress. You know, real practical things like that, pass that along, and then ask, is there anything here that kind of speaks to your situation, and how can I help? Mm-hmm. You know, it could be as simple as, you know, doing them a little favor, dropping a kid off somewhere or covering a base while they have to go and do something else that only they can do. But you just take care of house and home or something for them. And so if you go there first, it does open the door. And I think it makes it easier for them to say, oh, thank you. Uh, If you could feed my dog, that would really be helpful. And you would think that that would be something that would just be 
everyday common occurrence, mm-hmm. but yet when there's so much going on in one person's head mm-hmm. and trying to remember schedules, feeding the dog is probably the last thing on their mind. Right. So those are practical things. The other thing you can do is sit and listen. You know, sometimes people just need to share and talk and think out loud and you're not going to have all the answers and they don't expect you to have all the answers, but you're just being a friend. You're just hearing them out. Or offer to help them wrap Christmas presents, which brings up another question. Mm. Christmas present expectations. <laughs> like when I'm thinking through that in a blended family, yep. that could easily add up to hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars because mm-hmm. do I have to get for everyone? Yeah. Back to the plan, plan, plan. I was talking with one couple and they said, yeah, we've got you know six sets of grandparents to our children and stepchildren and our house, their dad's house, you know, the other, uh, the other side has a second house. So all of a sudden you're talking lots of homes, lots of people, everybody wants to buy a present. So they had to kind of get coordinated, you know, and, uh, what kind of gifts are you thinking of getting? (laughs) What kind of gifts are you, you know, some people, you can take that to the nth degree or you can just try to say in general, it'd be helpful if you were to get this or do that or it takes somebody sitting down and trying to think it through a little bit and take some initiative. And communication. And That's communication. what I'm hearing is that throughout this whole entire Christmas process, communication is mm-hmm. the number one thing that we need. If you're a couple in a blended family and you each have former spouses or former partners, you're each responsible to connect in, try to find out what's going on. What are they thinking? What kind of gifts are they going to do? Try to be in touch with the grandparents on those sides and then bring it back home and say, all right, what have we learned? <laughs> you know, what are we going to get the kids? <laughs> you know, it, it, there's a lot there. Now, it, you know, we're just a few days away from Christmas at this point and you may go, oh, man, I wish we would have done it. OK, next year. You know, it, it's all right. Uh, live and learn. I, I, that's one of the pieces of hope I want to share with our listeners right now is nobody knows how to do this for their family on day one. Nobody. First Christmas, they don't know. Second Christmas, it's getting a little better, but they still don't know. You know, the point is keep moving it forward. Live and learn. Adjust based on your experiences. Receive this year. Step out of this Christmas and make a couple of mental notes. You know what worked was this and this and this. What didn't work was that and that. All right, next year, we're getting ahead of it a little bit. We're going to handle it a little differently. And you know what? Eventually, things kind of smooth out. There's some stuff you'll never be able to control, but at least you have a sense of how to go into it. And there are other days in the year. Mm-hmm. It's not just the one day for Christmas. And you know, that's one thing. If, if there's anything I've heard over 28 years of doing this from blended family couples, it's be flexible and adjust and make it work. Again, maybe you think... It's all about Christmas morning or it's all about Christmas dinner. It's all about Christmas Eve. But you can't get that with the kids this year or for whatever reason. Find what will work. And and sometimes you just have to let go of that tradition and morph it, change it, switch it up. Make a new tradition to match your new family Mm. and the circumstances that you're in and have a spirit of gladness about it. That's what makes it Christmas. <laughs> in your panels that you have done throughout the years of questioning mm-hmm. couples, blended couples and everything, is there a few that come to mind 
about how that creative they were for Christmas? Yeah, it's uh, brunch on Christmas morning instead of Christmas Eve. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're celebrating Christmas three days before Christmas, which it just feels weird to even right. say, you know? Right. But that's when we have access to the children and grandma and all the little stars align. Guess what? We're doing it then and we're going to go big. And when you throw yourself into it, and again, it's, it's the attitude that makes the difference. Yeah, there's a little disappointment along with it, but it's still okay and it's good. So I, I think those are the big things that people have to think through. So I hear what you're saying, Ron, but in my family, every Christmas Eve, we go to the Christmas Eve service at church, mm-hmm. and then we go home, mm-hmm. and we open up one present, yeah. and mom makes eggnog, and we all sit around the tree, and mm-hmm. we sing a song, and we share our favorite memory from the past year. Sounds beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just our generation. It's been for generations upon generations that that has been the tradition. So you're telling me to be flexible yeah, and to give that tradition up? I am. And what I'm saying is you may be able to keep the tradition, but your kids may not be with you. So in some ways, you know, it doesn't really feel like we're doing the tradition because the kids are at the other house during that time. And so what's the point? The whole thing's wasted. No, that's because that's what I hear is that it is wasted. You know, I I mean, let's let's be realistic. There's going to come a season where your children have their own families and their Mm -hmm. own lives and they live halfway across the country and they can't make it then either on Christmas Eve. And so, you know, life brings change to our traditions and we have to adapt into them. The tradition is not an idol. Or is it? Ouch. Sometimes we make those things into idols. And I understand it. It's important. It's helpful. It's great. And you want to keep that up. Honor the part of it that you are able to honor. Mm. Um, Some people, they could say, well, we could do that on Christmas Day. We can't do it on Christmas Eve, but I'd rather wait in Christmas Day and go to the production and have eggnog because the kids will be with us on that day. And that's worth it. Okay, yeah, find what's most important about the tradition and strive for that. But yes, there is loss. I mean, this just brings up the other subject that anytime you get to a special day and somebody's not there, you know, it's bittersweet. Parents die. uh, You know, relationships change. Kids are there. They're not there. You know, there's always a little bitter with the sweet when it comes to the holidays, in particular for blended families. Not for every member of the family in the same way, but somebody is missing somebody. And, you know, the other side of this conversation is acknowledge that. You know, turn to a child and look them in the eye and go, you know, I was thinking, I bet you wish your dad was here right now. And he's not. And we all miss him. And we're just, I feel bad. You know, this is... It's so good to celebrate Santa, but I know you'd love to see your dad in that Santa outfit. Let's get out some pictures. Let's talk about it. That could be really hard for some parents. Mm -hmm. Very difficult. It is. I mean, that's a dying to self. That's like totally putting on Christ-like behavior Mm -hmm. and saying, I want my child's best first. Mm -hmm. And some people think, you know, if I go there, it's going to ruin everything. I'm here to tell you, as somebody who has had great loss in my life, that is not the case. 
you will have your moments of sadness and tears and reflection and let's get out the video or let's tell a story about the person who's not with us right now. And it's a sad moment. And you turn the corner and you get out the eggnog and you start talking about the Cowboys football game and it's okay, you know, and you're back to Christmas. I I think the alternative is to go into denial for 48 hours and not talk about this person who's not here. Like, what is that? Like, that is far worse for the spirit of of anybody, a person, a family, Mm -hmm. a child, a relationship. So much better to acknowledge the bitter along with the sweet and let them both be a part of the day. I heard from someone recently that God does his best work on empty. I mean, you go back to Genesis 1-1 and the earth was void Mm -hmm. and was without and God filled it. Mm -hmm. And so in these spaces, like a Christmas day or a Christmas Eve, when there is somebody who's missing or there is something that's missing, we can have the expectation that God is going to fill that space. Absolutely. Lean in. Um, My wife and I have been reading the Psalms and I'm just stunned <laughs> by how often the writers of the Psalms acknowledge the hard right there with the good. Right beside faith is their struggle with the circumstances of their life. It's the human condition. Yeah. And so, again, I, I, think, I think we go a long way to help our children and to help ourselves when we're not afraid to step into those spaces and let God join us there. Good word. Great advice, Ron. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And looking forward to having a conversation again with you next week following Christmas because we're going to check in on how Christmas went. You know, there's the unwrapping of the presents, the eggnog and the breakfast casserole and the many conversations. But maybe there's a conversation that did not go well, like in the Madej family. Ron Deal's going to join me along with Bob and Vicki Madej, and we're going to talk about a Christmas done wrong and a Christmas done right. That's going to be next week on Family Life This Week. Also, if you have further questions concerning blended families at Christmas time, go to our website, familylifethisweek.com. That's familylifethisweek.com. We have a link to Ron's podcast on there and also a couple of links to some articles, some other further resources for you to best get ready for this week and the week afterwards. Also, I just want to leave you with this little passage. We've been talking about this a lot throughout the fall and winter months, and that comes from 1 Corinthians 13. Remember these words? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. Love hopes all things. It endures all things. Of course, that's the love passage from 1 Corinthians 13. Let's love each other well this Christmas. Hey, thanks for listening. I want to thank the president of Family Life, David Robbins, along with our station partners around the country. A big thank you to our engineer today, Keith Lynch and the awesome Bruce Goff. 
Thanks to our producer, Marcus Holt. Justin Adams is our mastering engineer, and Megan Martin is our production coordinator. Our program is a production of Family Life Today, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families who change the world one home at a time. I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time for another edition of Family Life This Week.